Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Lekkonen just off the bench. Quickly ahead. Now some Kadri inside the circle. Kadri! Where's the puck? How did that not go in? It did. It did go in. It did? It did. We it did! It. He scores! Nazem Kadri! Yeah. The Kadri man can! I didn't see it, but they did! If the Avalanche go on to win the cup, that will be one of the most like, iconic sporting play-by-play calls in Denver history. I don't know what the, the Broncos did when they went back-to-back with Elway. I'm sure it was probably pretty special. The, but spin, that, the uh, spinning Elway touchdown would have been up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that, uh, you know, Sackick and Forsberg had some good ones. Patty Waugh. But that is, uh, that's pretty great. And I love that the color guy. Was it Mark Mosher? Is, no. he, is he helping with the color Mosher, there? Mosher does play-by-play for uh, Altitude yeah. on TV. I thought I I heard maybe he was coloring, but uh, could anyway. be for playoffs. But yeah, but uh, it did you, the voice. It did. There's not a lot. Of, there is. It, it did. It did. Yeah. It did. T- it did go in. It did. It- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Avs find a way in overtime. Three to the final. Kadri back after missing four games. Had surgery just over two weeks prior to his hand. Hand looked just fine as he tucks it under the the armpit of Vasilevsky and gets it into the top of the net. A weird one all the way around. Controversy in that there were too many men in the ice and then no one saw if the puck was in, despite it being very clearly in. It was lodged at the top of the me- the mesh in the netting on the, top, on the back post. But uh, they'll play another one. They're going to play at least one more. Back at uh, the old... Uh, on, ball Yeah, the arena. old ball arena coming up in two nights' time. Our... NFL Insider. Now, we're still a few days away, but you can kind of feel it. You can kind of feel it coming. Now, There's we've you know, we got some workouts. we got some practice footage. and Guys are showing up. New new faces and new places. And Talk about controversy already. Some controversy. We're getting close to the NFL season, and our insider is Jason Lackenfora. Jay, what's up, buddy? How are you? What's going on, guys? Controversy in the NFL? No way. No, never, right? What are you talking about? I know. I don't know of what you speak. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. How's the uh, off season been, man? It's good. It's good. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I can't complain. Um, you know, it's uh, just around the corner here where they start putting on the helmets and doing this again for real. But no, everything is good here. I hope you guys are doing well, also. We are good. Yeah, uh, love and life. Things are things are very good. I, I just I. We, we were wanting to get you on regardless, and then yesterday kind of happened. Tragedy striking for, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, the city of Baltimore, as uh, both Jalen Ferguson, linebacker with the team, and former player Tony Saragusa, much beloved yeah. the Goose Saragusa, uh, both passing away yesterday. I, I guess just your thoughts on both and the, uh, the hardship, sure. the hardship in, in the Baltimore area and with the team right now. Yeah, it, uh, a, a really sad day. Um... You know, but both coming completely out of nowhere. Um, Saragusa had just been here a few weeks back. You know, there's a lot of stuff remembering the Ravens' first Super Bowl team, and there's a, a 30 for 30 that ESPN's doing on it. 
and he obviously was a huge part of that team and particularly that defense that we can debate where it was and sort of the um, all-time pantheon of the league. So he had been here recently. Um, he had been in contact with a lot of people in the organization recently and just lining up sort of other things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Kenny Albert, the broadcaster for Fox, and, you know, Kenny worked with Goose for a long time on his crew there at Fox as sort of a, a hybrid um, sideline reporter. And, and as word started trickling out within hours of Jalen Ferguson's passing that, hey, Tony Saragusa may have passed as well. Like, you know, you, you kind of, it's, it's just kind of surreal. And you're, you're texting different people and you're reaching out to former players and former teammates and you're sending these awkward texts like, man, I really hope this is, you know what I mean, that this is wrong. But have you heard? It's just a bizarre day, and and I really feel for people in the Ravens organization, especially you know people like Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsome, um, their longtime president Dick Cass. There's a lot of uh, people over there, despite the the span of time between you know Tony Saragusa getting to town and. Jalen Ferguson being drafted, but there are a, a number of people who, who span that uh, time in that organization. And to, to think that in the morning you're scrambling, you know what I mean? You're, you're getting this word very early about a 26-year-old with three kids under the age of five and a and a fiance and someone who was, you know, always smiling and really um, liked around here and, and someone who people thought still – you know, because could have a really bright future in this league, and and they're putting together remembrances for him, and at the same time, getting word that one of their legendary players had passed at age 55 with a family, and all that, and so much in front of him as well, and and you're reaching out to current players and former players to get all these statements remembering these guys. You know, at the same time, it's just it's 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 terrible. Um, it's really unfortunate and. Uh, it's it you know it's it's going to cast a, a pall for sure over the start of this season for the Ravens and there's going to be a lot of guys you know dealing with a lot of different emotions and and grieving the loss of a of a teammate and and there's going to be a lot of people in that organization grieving grieving two people. There, there's no real easy way to transition from that, but we will still with the yeah. Ravens. There's been so much. Talk about Lamar Jackson wins with quarterbacks, staying out, got to get a deal, get that extension, don't play in that final year. There's been a lot of advice thrown Lamar Jackson's way. He seems to be uh, doing his own thing. What's your yeah. read on that situation? Uh, well, he certainly played the game differently this time around, this offseason, than others. And I mean the game of, of sort of the business of football, not not the actual game of football. Um didn't show for any of the voluntary organized team activities. When he did show for mandatory minicamp, um, he kind of tried to have you believe that his absence wasn't related to the contract. It, it absolutely positively was, and I think anybody who was paying any bit of attention understood that and saw that. Uh, he did not commit to absolutely positively being here for the start of camp or for week one without a new contract. Now, I think he will. I don't think he's walking from $23 million and, and I don't think he's going to do anything that jeopardizes his opportunity to um, get closer to unrestricted free agency or at least to keep 
the pressure up on the Ravens from a contractual standpoint to get something done long term. And when you start skipping games and skipping um, mandatory things, you, you do, uh, you know, you, you can start to put um, some, some things in jeopardy in terms of your standing with the league. So I also don't think they're anywhere close to getting a deal done as much as Lamar kept commenting on all these quote unquote conversations that they had recently. And I don't think either side anticipates them getting close to a deal because it's pretty clear Lamar Jackson wants more than Deshaun Watson got, and it's pretty clear to this point that Ravens owner Steve Bashotti isn't anywhere close to doing that. Um, could something happen to change that, that scenario? Maybe. But when an owner comes out and says, hey, I, I think he's probably going to end up playing on a franchise tag, that far out, he's, he's, <laughs> I think that's all you really need to know about the situation. And again, things could happen to change that. But it's 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 highly unlikely, and the only things that will probably change that are things that would have to happen on a football field between, you know, September and 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 February, because by February, the Ravens are going to have to place that tag on him if he doesn't have a long term deal. Cleveland Browns went out and uh, moved heaven and earth to get Deshaun Watson in the midst of serious uh, legal trouble. Uh, what has to happen for him to get onto the field for Week One? Oh uh, yeah, that would that would be absolutely stunning. I, I can't even if he settles these other four remaining cases. I cannot even remotely consider a scenario where he isn't sitting out a significant portion of this season. Um, so I, I think that ship has sailed. I think he knows that ship has sailed. I think the NFLPA knows that ship has sailed. I think the Browns know that ship has sailed. Even though I'm sure they will all uh, fight this outcome once it becomes official and once there is um, stated discipline for him, whether it's an indefinite suspension, whether it's 12 games that could come down to eight or eight that could come down to six or whatever, it, there's no avoiding that sort of slotting scale. Uh, and and, and th- there's, there's just too much here. You know, there's too many allegations. There's, there's, too much of a pattern of behavior. Um, I, I I just can't. And, and, you know, this is also someone who hasn't been particularly forthcoming with the league. You know, when, when he kind of says this is, this is nothing and then more reporting comes out and it's like, well, no, he's had at least 66 of these encounters in 17 months. Um, it's one thing if you don't say much to the Browns because the Browns, didn't really want to know anything anyway. The Browns just wanted to get this deal done and do whatever it took to get this deal done. So it's one thing if you mislead them because they didn't really want to know the truth. Let's be honest. They just wanted to get this thing done. Um, but we found out in the past, especially in, in matters of serious um, you know, potential violations of the personal conduct policy and or um, criminal behavior, if you – mislead Roger Goodell. And I get it that this is a different system now. It's not just Goodell in charge of these this discipline. But when, when you are less than forthcoming with the powers that be about what took place, you tend to get even more um, more significant discipline. Again, we're, we're getting closer to the start of the season, and there are still some free agents out there. I, probably the most sexy name is Odell Beckham Jr., but we know that sure. his health, you know, some questions there for sure to start the season. Uh, I mean, who's, who's out there? What kind of difference yeah. makers are still available, if any? 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably not a ton, and he certainly was a difference maker for the Rams last year. We had Sean McVay on my show, um, my radio show here in Baltimore, about maybe a week ago, and I wouldn't say that them keeping Odell Beckham is a fait accompli, but I would say it's going to take a hell of an offer. You know, it's going to take a hell of a package for somebody to put together that's going to be more attractive to Odell Beckham across a multitude of, of, of sort of layers, including finances, even though those guys have almost spent – you know, almost have three hundred million dedicated to payroll this year against the two hundred and eight million dollar cap. If you think Kroenke's done spending now, you're, you, like, you think he's worried about another five, six million here or there. So I think I think he's going to end up Ram, and I think even if the other receivers there stay healthy, he he could still very much, um, very much be a difference maker. Um, you know, there's guys like Justin Houston who have been elite pass rushers in the past, and at least they still have something there and no one can ever have enough pass rush right so so something will happen for him um at some point um yeah i mean uh, it's kind of it right whole, yeah yeah i mean there's not a whole lot of guys leaping out to me I and mean, i think when you're talking about transactions that could alter the scope of a season I think you're probably thinking maybe a little more about trades, right? And whatever yeah. happens with Baker Mayfield, and um, whatever happens with with Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I think those are probably the two things that people around the league are are most interested in. Um, and obviously, if either of those guys plays to the absolute peak of their ability for a sustained period of time, then that could certainly have a very positive outcome on somebody's season. And honestly, in, in some of these places, like either one could go to Carolina and be, you know, just kind of be who they've been. And it's an upgrade over what they have there, you know? So same with Seattle. I mean, I, you know, Drew Locke and Gino, Gino Smith. I mean, I, I, yeah. But there's financial issues at play with both those guys. How much are their teams willing to eat of their current contracts? Um, and in the case of Garoppolo, he, you know, I've been told all along he won't be able to start throwing, like start his not his, you know, full football activity program, start his throwing program until the Fourth of July. So, you know, is someone going to take that on early in camp with him still not being fully cleared? I, I don't know. Um, I think it's certainly possible because of the level of desperation for a few teams. But then again, it's only a few teams. The Texans are going to ride this Davis Mills thing out. I think that whatever you think about that, whatever I think about that, and I actually don't mind it, um, for where they are, I mean, I, I think that is where they are. They want to get a good look at Davis Mills this whole season before they decide if they want to use major draft capital on a quarterback next year in what looks to be a better quarterback class. So, you know, I think we're talking really, you know, realistically about – Maybe Atlanta gets in on this, although I, I, I get the sense that they're okay with Mariota, but I, I think it's Seattle, and I think it's Carolina, um, and that's not it's not a huge market, obviously. Yeah, and so just the finances and the health holding this up, I mean, it's not nothing, but we, we sort of thought we'd see some movement here after the draft, because now we'll know who did draft the quarterback and who didn't. Like We're, we're pretty far along here in, in terms of an offseason, aren't we? I mean, we, yeah, no, we we certainly are, and ideally, you'd have your potential starting quarterback around for OTAs and minicamp and all that stuff. But it's it's not the end of the world if if you don't. Um, 
And the make the Baker Mayfield one, I, I I think you know gets Jimmy Haslam is just going to have to the owner of the Browns is just going to have to understand he's going to have to eat nine or ten million dollars of that nineteen at least to, to facilitate a football trade, um, and I, I think he will come to that realization before camp starts. He's got enough of a Deshaun Watson quarterback circus on his hands. I, I, he can't have two. Um, and yeah, I mean the Garoppolo situation may take a little longer, just because again, you, he's probably going to have to throw for a while and build himself up. And I don't think he'd be ready to fully pass anybody's physical, you know, right when training camp starts. And we're talking about a guy. I mean, look, twenty-five million dollars isn't huge by quarterbacks, you know, standards, but that's still a lot of money on an injured contract to take on, you know, without being completely, completely sure that he's going to be able to come back and, and, and do the job for you. So, yeah, I, I think people, you know, people around the league are ready to go on vacation right now. I think people have kind of made, made their bed with certain situations. But as we get into um, mid-July, uh, within a week, 10 days of camp starting, then I think there'll be um, a whole lot more sort of sense of urgency for some of these teams to get closure on that, to, to try to have at least one of those guys um, somewhere else with the chance to start competing to be the number one quarterback in that new location by the time they have their first training camp practice. In Arizona, great regular season for they and Kyler Murray. It ends poorly in the playoffs, and then a little butt hurt in the offseason. Kyler Murray wants money and is just going to have to live with what he's making for the time being. And now DeAndre Hopkins going to miss the start of the season, six-game mm-hmm. six suspension. He's, he's, he says he's trying to fight it, wants to get it reduced. Uh, yeah. Is there any hope that that – because that's – I feel like for Cliff Kingsbury and, and Arizona, it's, you, you need a good start, and that's not going to help. No, he's going to miss six games. I don't think there's a whole lot of um, – you know, what he says publicly and all that, you understand, but I don't think there's, you know, internally when, when you get to a point where that something like that is announced, um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much means things have been exhausted and this is what it is. Now, I think that's a team that comes into the year with as much pressure as, as any in the NFL. I don't think they're as good as they look for certain stretches. Um, I don't think they're going to have any better success sustaining sustaining those um, stretches than they have in the past. Uh, they paid the coach. Who knows? They might pay that quarterback. Um, look, they're not going to pay him like Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers, but they may pay him, you know, like Dak Prescott. Uh, either way, whether he's got the money or doesn't have the money, that is going to be a major um, plot line for that team. Um, I don't think they've had a particularly robust offseason, uh, and I think um, they're getting a little long in the tooth in, in certain spots and in other spots. They just haven't drafted well enough to really kind of be who, who they thought they could be. So. I'm a skeptic when it comes to them, even with that division kind of being all over the place because we don't know what Trey Lance is. And the Seahawks are certainly taking a step back without Russell Russell Wilson. Um, I don't think it's going to play out particularly well for the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I think that ownership group is going to have some real tough decisions to make 
around January or February, even though they've empowered that general manager again, and even though they've empowered that head coach again, and even though I think they're going to do something with Kyler that they can they can at least live with and say, well, we didn't set any new precedents, and we didn't we didn't you know pay him like a top five quarterback. Even paying him like a top ten quarterback is going to make their ability to do other things more difficult. And I I think they may come to regret it. I think you have to worry about him being durable. You have to worry about the way he finishes seasons, and he's not the biggest guy. Um, he he seems to kind of run out of steam a little bit after th- our Thanksgiving here. So I don't know, guys. Um, that's not a team that I think is particularly ascending, um, or that's going to get for you know much further than middle of the pack. Seems like the NFL's kind of done with Dan Snyder. Where has the tide turned, and how do they get him out here now? As it appears, there's a lot of more information from league-ish sure. places that paint him in in less flattering light. Yeah, well, the the way that this continues to advance is uh, unfortunately Congress here um, does you know does the job that the NFL's own internal investigative arm either would never do. Or did, but would never see the light of day because there's no written report. So um, Dan Snyder did himself no favors by by not bothering to zoom in or have any um, take part in any way in that hearing that was conducted yesterday in Washington that Roger Goodell did uh, participate in remotely. Um, the evidence, the the anecdotal evidence, the the, the paper trails in some cases. Um, continue to paint a picture of someone who has no business being in management, you know, at a Dairy Queen, let alone running an NFL franchise. And they now are, uh, Congress is, is pretty intent on subpoenaing him and basically compelling him to talk. And I, I was around that guy for, for quite some time when I covered that football team for the Washington Post. And I can't think of too many people, too many adults who are less equipped to deal with a congressional hearing uh, than Dan Snyder. I can't fathom that going very well for him. Um, I think he will try to default to my lawyers, my lawyers, my lawyers, my lawyers, and they're going to continue to tell him that every time you say that, we're, we are taking that as an admission of guilt, of you hiding something. Um, will this be such a spectacle that you know, three-fourths of the other owners say enough of this, he's out. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know that anybody does because we're not there yet. That that kind of caucusing hasn't begun. Um, But there's certainly been a building tide that this guy is not good for the league. Now, many of these other owners also know that they have um, not necessarily been uh, pillars of their communities either. And so they do not discount that element of you know, hey, I got skeletons too, man. You know, are they going to come for me next? I, you know, or, or who's who? What's the next uh, investigation going to be about? We need to stick together here. So there, there isn't any universal mindset, and there never is in this billionaire boys and girls club. Um, but I would say if you know, it's becoming more likely than ever that Dan Snyder is not going to own that team to the day he dies and just pass it off to his kids as he has planned since he purchased it. Jason, good catching up, buddy. Been a long time. Always my pleasure, Thank gentlemen. Thank you, buddy. Have a Enjoy good your summer. Yeah, you too. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, pal. Okay. Bye-bye. Jason Lagenfora, CBS Sports, our NFL insider.
uh, getting us up to speed there. We'll break and come back. Dan Murphy, Vancouver, friend of the show. What's up with the Canucks? I know it seems kind of Stanley Cup final. And there's so much attention there, but they won a little free agent uh, sure. sweepstake of sorts. Not the the UFA free agent, but the I was playing in Russia free agent. Maybe the best player outside the NHL free agent. What does that mean? And yeah, they it's been a weird twelve months there. This was a huge splash from Jimbo around this time last year when he took on the OEL deal, got rid of the last year three bad contracts, and moved number nine overall to Arizona who turned into uh, Dylan Gunther, who looks like a whale of a prospect. It's, it, they've, they've sort of had a maybe look in the mirror about what they really are under this new management group. They're not going to be fooled into pretending they're contenders like Benning probably played it for most of his seven years. And when but where th- are they at now? Yeah, because when you think where they were a year ago, there's a lot of new faces. The GM, the coach, assistant GMs. the G- Bigger front office. Yeah, yeah completely different look. As they head into the draft and free agency and contract negotiation, Dan Murphy going to join us when we come back. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two continues here on the program. Mm. Boom, boom along with Pinder. Always feel guilty. Early risers. Got to be an early riser to be on this show. Feel guilty asking. But our next guest is always good with his time, and it's even earlier, generally, where he is. He's usually got like one or two workouts done by now. He's yeah. he's way up early, yeah. Unless he's on the road, maybe in the E, but... There's hotel gyms. You never know how good they are. They're different hotel to hotel. Yeah. Some of them have the free running shoes. You can borrow. Other ones don't. In between sets of uh, goblet squats, we're mm-hmm. joined by Dan Murphy of Sportsnet. Good morning, Murph. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing today? We're good. R- real nice of us to say thanks for coming on and then kind of take a shot at you for being healthy and uh, into fitness. That's how we roll. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if people could ever have a real look at my legs, they know the goblet squats are not very heavy. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> the old yeah, invisible goblets. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so you're a guy, and you worked a lot this postseason, a lot of travel, pregame, game day skates, postgame. Are you, are you happy you weren't there last night for uh, for too many men on the ice gate, or is that the kind of thing you'd sink your teeth into? Well, I mean, I guess in this day and age, and especially in the playoffs, I mean, you, you analyze and overanalyze each game as they come. Uh, so I think, I mean, that's obviously going to be the big talking point today. Um, you know, and maybe that's what, you know, John Cooper wanted. Um, you know, his team was badly outplayed last night, uh, especially as the game went on. Um, he's dealing with a whack of injuries now, Sorelli, Chernak, Point. Uh, and all we're going to really talk about today and analyze is, you know, uh, the line change uh, and having too many money in the ice and what needs to be done and how is this fair. Um, and, uh, you know, John Cooper, the, uh, the lawyer, got in front of the jury last night and made his uh, closing arguments and left. And, you know, I, I think he's got a valid point. But I also think that when you look at last night's game, they weren't calling anything and yes they got lucky on the line change because you know mckinnon was what 10 feet from the bench when the when the pass was received by Kadri. but think of some of the infractions that were happening especially in the third period uh, of that hockey game nothing was being called so i think that it was a maybe it was a calculated risk by Kadri, and man did it pay off yeah and it's one of those things i was it offside i guess by the letter of the law it was too many yeah no or sorry it, was it too many men would any of us have noticed? Would anybody have brought this to the the table if it were not for Cooper last night? I I certainly wouldn't have thought to look for it. 
Yeah, I, I didn't see anybody mention it at all until after Cooper had made his remarks. I'm not sure the first person that tweeted it, but I, I think I saw Friedman say something that uh, obviously Tampa Bay felt there was too many men, and I didn't notice it. Uh, and usually, you know that you know the the people that work in the trucks, the EVS, the tape guys, they're looking for that stuff all the time. Uh, and for them not to notice it too, obviously it's on a game-winning goal in overtime, and they're probably worried about getting the right replays to the, the producer and the director. Uh, but I didn't notice it until it was mentioned, and then after that, people were scrambling to see if it was correct, and, and obviously he was. Well, we don't have any, uh, kind of pivoting a little bit here with uh, the Flames, we don't have any players who are unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents with arbitration rights to talk about, so we have to go to other markets and That's right. and, and find things to talk about. But what what a year it's been what a change when you think of where vancouver was coming into the draft or out of the postseason a year ago to now a, a different coach general manager mm-hmm. assistant gms yeah, front the whole it's it just a radical radical change and it feels like it's for the better i guess if you could in a you know in a kind of capsulize it for us the the last 365 and where you see the canucks today as opposed to a year ago well, I mean, I definitely think it's for the better at this point. I mean, I, I think the last management group had run its course and probably had run its course uh, a few years even earlier. Um, and some of the moves that were made last summer uh, will continue to haunt this team uh, for a little ways now. And really, Rutherford and Alvin are, are probably trying to clean up a little bit of Benning's mess. Um, I think the fact that the front office has grown is a big plus. I think the fact that they've thought outside the box a little bit with some of those hires is a plus. They're spending money. They're looking at uh, training facilities. So all these things uh, you know, speak to me that the organization is moving in the right direction. Now uh, they have to figure out a way to make sure that the, the product on the ice is better. And that's the difficult task. I mean, when you look at things now, the team uh, is relatively the same as it was at the start of last season, they've still got big problems on the right side of the defense, um, and they've got to figure out how to clear out cap space and which of those forwards are going to trade. Getting Kuzmenko, I think, uh, landing the, the unrestricted free agent out of uh, Russia, uh, I really think that spells the end. I mean, we've always been talking about who's going to go, but now they've got to move out a winger. I don't know which one. Is it going to be Miller? Is it going to be Besser? Is it going to be Garland? Uh, it remains to be seen. But I think the writing is, is even more clear on the wall with the Kuzmenko signing. It's the 11-month anniversary of that uh, Roussel Beagle Erickson ninth <laughs> overall, second rounder to Arizona for OEL and Connor Garland. It would be crazy to see him move within a year, I suppose, because that was supposed to be one of the the key pieces of that trade, never mind the cap space. Um, yep. that, uh, that you, you said it. That's not going to age well. If it looks bad now, wait till. Dylan Gunther turns into an NHL sniper. Exactly. You know, and probably Garland is the, the least offensive thing of that trade. Um, his, his numbers, uh, even strength, were pretty good this year. Uh, he was super hard on himself. He didn't get uh, much power play time at all. So his overall numbers seem a little suppressed. But I think he was third on the team. Uh, maybe even second to Miller and even strength points. So uh, he, he didn't have a bad season. I think it's more so that the draft pick that went – and just getting more, you know, I don't, you know, OEL had a fine season. He was fine. He was, he was probably better than most people expected. But now you've got one of these anchor contracts again. He's got six years left, and they're paying $7 million a year of that. And when you're a team that is trying now to worry about how you pay your best players, 
uh, you can't have a lot of money going to, to guys that aren't at the top of, of your you know quality player list on your team. So um, I, can they move um, Tyler Myers, perhaps? Tanner Pearson, maybe. I mean, maybe they can move a Tucker Pullman. I'm not sure, but uh, I would think it's going to be a lot easier to move some of those forwards than some of the defensemen. Yeah, and I guess the, the question we keep hearing from people that aren't in the market and completely saturated with all things Canucks is like, why wouldn't you want to keep both? Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Why are we talking about trading these guys? But, but to your point, when you've got too much money dedicated to the bottom half of your roster, you can't have all your nice things necessarily. That would be the case with, with the, the pending deals for uh, Besser and Miller that they're going to need signed, right? Yeah, and Horvat as well. Let's not forget that. I mean, uh, Besser's got the, the QO of, I think, 7-5. Uh, so there's a, there's a good chance they could sign him to term at a, a much less number than that. Uh, but the other thing you mentioned, Gunther, like, I mean, they don't have anybody. There might be one player from the AHL uh, that would be considered uh, a prospect that could make the team next year, and that's Jack Rathbone. And he's a left shot guy, so on defense. So it's not really solving one of those problems on the right side. Uh, they've got nobody in the pipeline. Uh, so, you know, when you talk about Miller, um, you know, I don't want to run him out of town. I think he's extremely entertaining, had a great season. But if you're finding, trying to find a way to get some money off the books, uh, get a top prospect, get more draft picks, he's kind of the easiest one to trade to tick off all those boxes. Uh, I think they'll make him an offer. I'm, you know, it's up to Miller. Like, what's his number? What's the guaranteed money he wants, whether it be $9 million a year for five years? Like, would he take 45 guaranteed now to sign and not risk, you know, an, an injury or – getting moved at the deadline to a team or getting moved to a team where he's on the second line and second power play. And his numbers this year aren't as good as last season. His value is never going to be higher. I don't think he'll have another, you know, hundred point season. So what's his number saying, okay, I'm happy with this guaranteed money now because I don't really know what's in store in the future or does he roll the dice? So I think they'll make him an offer, uh, whether it's big enough for him, uh, remains to be seen, but, um, yeah, I mean, if he, if he ultimately signs, and I think you can say that's bye-bye to Besser or Garland. Guy that's going to be turning uh, 30 next season. It isn't the player you're worried about. It's, it's, it's the next contract. You're going to be buying a lot of the back nine there. Uh, do you yep. see them happy to carry him into the season and then hold him as a big chip at the deadline, or do you see them wanting to move him now and sell a full season and a postseason to whoever gets him? I mean, I guess if they've got a package in mind, if someone sells it to him at the draft, go ahead. If not, like, take him into next season. Give Boudreaux a chance uh, to coach kind of the same team that he had. See if they can make some waves. Move him at the deadline if they're nowhere near. Um, but I, I don't think this is a play you can let walk for free when all is said and done. Um, and you're right. I mean, this is a team that's not going to contend next season. It's likely not going to contend the season after. I mean, it's four years left on the Demko deal. I think they have to really be targeting like the not next season, the season after, but uh, season three of the last two years of Demko's deal. Uh, that's what they have to target. And then you're looking at a 32-year-old uh, JT Miller, um, and is he going to be as effective? So uh, these are all things they have to try to weigh uh, at this point. But I don't think that they're under any you know illusion that they're going to contend this year. And that was kind of always the, the fault of Jim Benning. He was always changing the plan, always trying to retool, always trying to just get enough pieces to just get in the playoffs. Um, and clearly, you know, he was unsuccessful in those attempts. 
What about Brock Besser? Here's a guy, like you said, the, the qualifying offer is big. You can sign him prior to that for a, a longer-term deal and get the money, the cap hit, down a little bit. Uh, an off year for him, but we know there was off-ice stuff with his father and with his family, a tough season and a tough year for him. But at 25, he, he's a guy you're confident saying he's a 20-goal guy, a, a tremendous shooter. What would be the, the like you said, somebody's moving out if – how, how do you maximize both then if, if if you're going if you look at maybe moving Miller and if you're maybe going to move Brock Besser when when do these deals get done and or or is Besser the one that maybe you're going to have to hang on to and hope that he bounces back he's still only 25 I think so I mean I think that's probably the the most likely scenario um, maybe he just wants to QO and then he's got a year left and unrestricted free agency uh, that's likely not. Oh no, he's got two years left. That's likely not ideal for the team to go into next season where he's got just one year left. Um, uh, you know, another another QO after that. Uh, I think you know the best way if you want to trade him is to get him signed to a number that is uh, you know looks comfortable for other teams to pick him up. But I think you kind of ride with Besser at this point. Um, you know, he is a streaky scorer. He has done most of his damage uh, on the power play. Uh, but I do think he's, you know, he's a better defensive player than people give him credit for. He's a bigger body than people think. He's usually on the right side of the puck. Uh, he can defend as the, the, the numbers back that up. So, I, you know, I don't, like I just said, like you could sell high on Miller right now. Trading best right now seems to be selling low. Um, and I don't think that's the route they're going to take uh, unless someone's really enamored with the player. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then also just you factor in Elias Pettersson had a massive turnaround under the coaching change, and maybe that had something to do with missing camp. Maybe it was the pressure of the contract. Maybe it was straight the coach. Probably a combination of everything, but I could see Besser having a monster year if things start clicking with some other pieces around there. This is not your liquidate at a tight moment for him. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, and he's had – uh, I mean, not last season, season before. I mean, uh, the, the best for Pedersen and Miller line was one of the best lines in the league. Uh, so he's got that in him. Uh, they didn't play as much together last season. Maybe it's someone you can put, uh, you know, a combo you can put together again with Boudreau. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that at this point, you have to see what you have with him. And I, I think, you know, I think this is a 25-goal score plus. Uh, in the league. I mean, he's shown that, uh, but the foot speed is always going to be a bit of a problem. Uh, he's not a, you know, not a quick skater. He's not a fast skater, uh, but he can be very effective when he moves his feet and he does still have a, a lethal shot. One of the best shots in the game. I just want to double back to Kuzmenko, I guess just kind of two, twofold. You mentioned he comes in, he's 26. This is not a, not a kid. And we're always kind of leery of the best player outside of the NHL. Sometimes yeah. they're, you know, sometimes it's Panarin, and sometimes it's Fabian Brunstrom or Roman Trevenka or whoever. What, what, what are you being led to believe? Obviously, you're going to hear the good. What, what might be yeah. the, the not so good? And also, uh, it, it feels like just winning this, if you want to call it that, this was a, this was a big boost a for, for, the, yeah. for the fan base, for the, for the brass to, to actually win a battle and win a, a bidding war for a player that is, is big because it hasn't been a, a great run in that regard for Vancouver. No, and whether it's a, a UFA is from overseas or college unrestricted free agents, they've, you know, you always hear, oh, they're in the mix, they're in the mix, they never get it. So this, this definitely is a win for this management group. Um, and, you know, a lot of things I just said about uh, Besser uh, are kind of like Kuzmenko. He's got a tremendous amount of skill. Uh, he's a great finisher. Uh, but the thing they're always going to look at is his skating. 
doesn't move that well. Uh, he's not uh, fast. He's not quick. So those are the things that uh, you know are, are they're going to be looking at uh, to start. Now, if you can get him uh, with playmakers and get him in positions to shoot, he can bury those shots. But um, you know, this is a, a no-risk signing, a one-year signing, um, and you know maybe they find a player in him, and maybe not. And if not, well then uh, you know nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, so um, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how he moves. Uh, you know, we have been told the good. You do see the good. Uh, of what he's done, but can he play at an NHL pace is the big question. Somewhere between uh, what, Vadim Shipachev and Artemi Panarin. There's just a, who knows what we're getting here. It's, it's really amazing. It's such a question mark box, isn't it? Hey, well, you remember Brunstrom too? Didn't he have a hat trick in his first game? Oh, yeah. yeah that I was... like he came out, he was the big thing, and then I was seeing he scored a hat trick, and everybody's like, oh my goodness, and then half season later he was gone. Yeah. Mm. We had Roman Shervenka here. It's fun. You won't be boring, Murph. Like, cause there's going to be people walking around telling you this is, uh, this is Kucherov coming over and other people are going to be yelling bust at the top of their lungs. This will not be boring. <laughs> well, again, no, but I mean, it's just a, it's for a team that needs more depth, more options, uh, more pieces. Uh, it's a free one and it's one that they can definitely use. Well, it's good to talk to you. So, yeah. how much, because you were working a number of series, it just felt like... Give this, us the rundown, yeah. series by series here. Well, I did, uh, so I, I started in Calgary uh, for Calgary-Dallas, but I didn't even make it to game one because of COVID in Edmonton. Uh, someone went down there, so I went to Edmonton, I did the game two there, three, four in LA, and then came back to Calgary for five, six, seven. Then I was told I was going home, booked my flight, kid was happy, I was going to meet her and walk her to school only to find in the afternoon of Game 7, they called and said, can you go to Colorado tomorrow and do that series? So I did that series, but after that, it was all done. So I think it, was, I think it turned out to be 30 consecutive days on the road, which is a longer <laughs> stretch than I'm used to. You know, it was weird. I got back home. I was like, I don't know. If, when was the last time I went a month without driving? Like, do I still know how to drive? Yeah. I was getting in my car. <laughs> like, you know, I hadn't slept in my bed for 30 days, but, uh, but the family actually came to Colorado for three, three days in the middle of it, so went to a ball game took my kid to the zoo. So that was nice to break it up. Uh, and the weather had been so crappy here. I didn't really miss much anyway. Now it's turned well. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to catch some good part of the summer. I remember seeing you the, for the Calgary Dallas series and you're like, yeah, I'm excited to get home. And then I turn on the TV. I'm like, <laughs> the hell's going on here. What? <laughs> yeah. what? Poor guy. He needs to see his family. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things too. It's like, yeah. Um, honey, you know how I told you I was going to walk the kid to school tomorrow. I was going to fly in at six in the morning. Mm. Yeah. That's not happening. I'm going to Colorado. So, <laughs> yeah. So at that point you had your baggage, you were packed for how many days? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm back for one series. So yeah. I'm not going to lie. And I was laughing with uh, Louis DeBrusque about this because he did the same thing. He didn't get to go home. We have left clothing at hotels because it just, there's, they just can't be salvaged. <laughs> yeah. that doesn't go to the laundry pile that goes to the garbage yeah. that's, uh, that's, i'm leaving that here for good yeah, so you can good toss stuff. that out you know i'm sure some of the workout shirts by the end like i did laundry i think three times but some of the workout shirts at the end could have walked home from st louis themselves yeah fair enough <laughs> well good to talk to you buddy we'll uh maybe we'll catch up prior to the draft 15th overall right 15th overall. Let's see what they can do. Trade it for an old defenseman. Let's go. Let's go. Where's Jimmy? (laughs) Thanks, Murph. All right, boys. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Dan Murphy Sportsnet out in Vancouver. I miss Jimbo. I know you do. You've lost so many good men. You're one of the few. Shirelli, Jimbo. Ah.
And how long has it been now for Shirelli? Oh, wow, keep... but his name keeps popping up. Oh. His name came up in the... He was an AGM in St. Louis and got his name on the cop the year after he got fired. And like, yeah, oh, and uh, the Seattle mm-hmm. Kraken, it sounds like Peter Shirelli's in the mix. And you're like, what? I do wonder, Who though. Who is doing bath salts and hiring NHL GMs? But I wonder sometimes if that's, hey, they throw, just put my name in, even even if they're not, throw my name out there. So just what, so what I've heard is that the league actually has put his name forth at a lot of times. And I don't know why the league is advising ownership groups. Like, the league is good at running leagues. The league isn't good at, you know, GMing. Anyone that can look at his resume of trades, it's like you turned Jordan Everly into a paperclip. You moved out the pick that got, what, Barzell and Bolivier for a seventh defenseman that was in the AHL, like, not that long later. The the haul for Larson one-for-one probably aged a little better than we thought, but awful. Like, why would you – why is he on any list of, of potential hires not, like, top ten blunders? Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't have the answer. Okay. Now, Sorry. I could understand if, if it was the Players Association that wanted him yes, back because yeah, he's given yeah, yeah. some massive raises yeah. and brought that uh, That's right. brought yeah. the pay scale up. So Yeah, the, the agents love him. Maybe <laughs> the agents are back-channeling this. That's got to be. They hold a lot of power. Yeah. We'll break, come back. We'll reset on game four last night. The Avs are one win away from the Stanley Cup and Tampa Bay licking their wounds. It's uh, cue up the sad music. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.